Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, let's get right to it. Lots been going on. The Oscars aired. Uh, we got some topics to hit. Elon Musk is hosting SNL. Uh, that seems to be a pretty big topic of conversation. Um, but yeah, what do we want to start with? What's been going on? How are people feeling? It's been a while. How much do you guys... Uh, we're doing a morning pod. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Do you guys pee a reliable amount of times in the night? <laughs> I started. I used to never pee at night. Now it doesn't matter. You guys wake up like you have broken sleep and go mm. to the bathroom? I do now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wow. did. It must be oh, a yeah. sign of getting older or something. I don't know. But it's weird. Like sometimes I, I get to the night like two or three times and I think my pain threshold is so small that I just don't like being uncomfortable on any level. It hurts when you I go to, to the bathroom and I have... <laughs> Max, your, p- your pee shouldn't hurt, yeah. by the way. That no, no, might- no, it doesn't hurt. No, 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 no. You know when you... Okay, you know there's various degrees of going pee, yeah. like having to go pee. Yeah. Uh, you know when you have to go just a little yeah. bit, just a tiny bit, and you just put it out of your mind? I'm like, I can't stop thinking about me having to go pee. So I go pee <laughs> and it's just a little bit. And then and then that has, and then sometimes I sleep the whole night and I don't pee at all. But uh, so Mike, you don't, hold on a second, Mike, you're the oldest of us all. You don't pee at all in the middle of the night? No, man. My body works like clockwork (sighs) and it has been forever. Yeah, no, like I I go to bed, I wake up and I pee in the morning, just like the way it's always been. Damn, that's that's good. I feel bad you guys have to get up in the morning. I will say something that I think is happening is I find as I get older, I get a little bit more dehydrated in the night. So like I find like I, like in my dream, I'll all of a sudden have like really like kind of that feeling and then that mm-hmm. that kind of is a sign that i need to wake up momentarily take a little a sip of water and then go back to sleep uh. so I, I find i'm getting more dehydrated that might also be like my diet you know yeah those french fries you eat before bed every night. <laughs> like so not hydrating man, you know yeah, yeah. you <laughs> need to switch to watermelon or celery <laughs> uh so yeah so shane how long have you been getting up in the middle of the night it's been <laughs> happening for about a year now i wake up huh. at a uh, 4 a.m and i'll i'll get that feeling like you have to pee let that little tingle and then I'll say, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to sleep through it. I'll go back. And then my mind will start being like, oh, you're going to be annoyed. You're going to be annoyed. And then I'm like, fuck, okay, I'll get up and I'll go pee. And then I'll have to turn on Howard Stern or, or like I, I don't listen to podcasts yeah. anymore. So because it, the podcast. Hold on, you don't listen to podcasts No, anymore? I stop because. What, is, what the fuck? I know. It's o- <laughs> I know. It, I want to though. It's only because the podcast app takes up so much space on your phone and I'm shooting so much Just video. Just turn off the automatic downloads. I don't you know how to do that. Okay, Bill Gates. <laughs> if you can figure that out, then I'll do it. <laughs> what I realized a while ago, like a year or two ago, was that my phone was setting to automatic. So say I follow like six different pods. It was downloading every episode. So I had like 50 episodes of WTF, let's say, that I never listened to. Mm. And it's yeah. a setting. So Where do they go when you, they're downloaded? onto your phone like so when you don't where? have storage to like like if you look into your like if you go to your settings and go to like podcast app you'll see that like you probably have like you know whatever 20 gigs of podcasts just because it's downloading yeah. anything whether you where do you DAX, find the episodes though when they're downloaded do they go into like an audio section on your phone that you can access? yeah they'll go into like a pod section that you can delete all of them fuck that's it <laughs> Okay, I'm going to start That's listening to pods again, man. And then, <laughs> I have and then an announcement turn off the automatic downloads and then just stream whatever you need when it comes up. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I fell asleep without listening to a podcast. I yeah. just can't do it. I'm actually I'm actually terrified of that thought. Oh, just well, th- silence? This is the thing. It trains your 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 mind and your body that like and it's it's a real thing. Like I couldn't if I do wake up say at like three in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. Say like Winona's up and then you know you're kind of you hear and then she goes back to bed. And then you try to go back to sleep. I cannot go back to sleep unless I literally throw Star Trek on and put a headphone in and I'll be out mm-hmm. in within five minutes. But if I don't, I'll just lay there and my brain will continue to go. Oh God, yeah. And I like having certain podcasts for certain times of the day. And there's some some podcasts that I wouldn't listen to falling asleep. And there's others that are like, oh, this is my like my nice warm blankie. Like Bill Simmons just talking to me as I doze off. It's very nice. So Max, um, I, say you were like mm-hmm. on a camping trip and you, mm-hmm. you didn't have a charged phone and you had to go to sleep with nothing. Would you get anxiety as you approached sleep time? Absolutely. I'd be thinking about it all day long. I'd be like, maybe I have to get drunk and just pass out. Right? Maybe that's the only way I can no, do it. No, that's, that's, yeah, that I've helps. Yeah, thoughts. if I'm drinking, I don't need podcasts. <laughs> There's the biggest <laughs> advertisement for podcasts. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, but I wonder to our listeners, um, do you listen to, uh, this is a question for our listeners, do you listen to us as you fall asleep? Are we that soothing, warm oh, blanket? We'll knock your right I want to know. Yeah. 
because uh, Shane was sending some screen grabs from a, a, a friend and fan of the pod about last week's episode and how much they loved realtor Sean Dawson. I thought that was a pretty good episode. Lots Which of I consider there. an insult job, in dude. a way. It's weird. You think it would be a compliment, but it's like, oh, it's only good when he's on. And it's like, he should be one of the hosts. <laughs> it's like, shut up. That's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Todd. That, that was I know kind of the listening. theme of the episode, Shane. In some ways, that you were, you felt a little. It felt like almost competitive with Sean, like from your point of view. That was kind of the the, the tone that you were taking, and it feels like it's carried over to this this compliment as well. Well, it's just hard because Max is always saying things that he says to me, but then he's saying that he says them to Sean. He's like, "Oh, you're our funniest <laughs> friend," and all that. I'm like, two days earlier, you had texted me that when I was upset at you for saying that I was a hack comedian, and you're like, "I'm kidding, Shane. You're you're my." funniest friend everyone knows that and i was like oh everyone knows that and i was all touched and then on the pod i learned that sean's the funniest friend so it's like not Mm. only is he the funniest he also gets the best looking card which is fine i'm not fighting Mm. for that but you can't be a really good looking guy and the funniest friend that's not fair Mm. yeah that that is that is that is unfair um by the way ash says this is a boy thing um listening to podcast before you go to sleep that's interesting my dad well, listens yeah. to ask ash before. ask ash what does ash do before she goes to sleep ash, ash just goes to bed i think she so. just like lays there in bed yeah with he- yeah she's like oh i i and i envy her sort of like her centered calm mind the ability to just sort of lay down and fall asleep but can we confirm she that she passes out instantly she passes out instantly, instantly. Wow. yeah but 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 to be fair she, it's usually like at three in the morning and she's probably sent about uh, 18 straight emails mm. like she's just been working like ferociously all day long and sometimes she'll like pass out i think with her computer like like on top of her like <laughs> mid email yeah <laughs> that's how hard she goes <laughs> but yeah i guess that's some that's uh, actually an interesting thought it's like like if you have like a like a like 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 an intense job or a laborious life like i don't think people that work in coal mines are like i really need something to fall asleep they probably actually just <laughs> fall asleep because they've put in the work and they've earned their they're sleep exhausted. they're just physically exhausted this is like yeah like such like arty or slash like <laughs> yeah, white collar i can't jobs. stop my mind kind of- yeah <laughs> <laughs> but mental exhaustion can get you really tired too because I was doing my taxes yesterday or prepping my taxes, I should oh. say. And I was well, like- for our listeners, yeah. this is why we're this is why you're getting a pod late in the week. We were actually all set to record uh, yesterday and then Shaney had to hit, hit his deadline. You were racing towards the end there to get your taxes in. Oh, is that what your call was about yesterday? No, I, I, we, Mike and I were called into another meeting which threw oh, off my okay. day plan because I was uh, adding up taxes stuff and then i had to do this meeting and then afterwards i had no time to pod which is why we're doing it today but i was a zombie yesterday like i couldn't string a thought together or anything all right another thing i'm afraid of guys so i told you i'm afraid of going to sleep without headphones opening my mail can't do it i just can't open my mail anymore because you hate bills or i yeah i can't look at the bills they just go right to my accountant and uh i just i'm terrified if i see like you hand them to your accountant they don't even come to me anymore. They just go directly to my accountant. I, I just I, tell I my accountant, like mail. just tell me if I'm ever about to be broke. Otherwise, don't really want to know. Oh, I hate it. And I hate it so much. I hate doing all this adult <laughs> shit. I hate paying bills. I wish I was famous like you, Max. <laughs> well, anybody can hire an account. Yeah, you got to be famous. It'd be weird if I was like, they don't pay every bill. They're not going to pay my electricity bill. Who pays your electricity bill? Sometimes like, you know, if you're going out for dinner and you owe... You know, okay, somebody picked up the bill. So it's like everybody e-transfer 60 bucks to, you know, Al or whatever. Sometimes I'll email Dave. I'm like, hey, Dave, can you e-transfer 60 bucks to Al? And then <laughs> Al will get an email from my accountant, David. <laughs> and then Al will be like, what the fuck is David David Buss emailing me? Do you handle money? any of your own money or is it like the conservatorship with Britney Spears? <laughs> <laughs> But do you have access to your own money? Like, if you, would you be able to get any if you wanted it right now without going through Dave? Yeah, for sure. But but I don't want I don't want to know. I don't want to touch it. I, I basically I just need somebody to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down if I can if I can buy something. Have you ever it. looked That's on networth.com? You know what? I kind of like the idea of the confer- conservatorship. That's almost I think what I'm going towards. No, it's a cool <laughs> idea. I'm feeling. down for it. 
Like, I don't know why Brittany wants the money back. It's like, do you know how annoying that is? Well, it's like a mindset. It's like, it's like you start your life as a baby and your parents take care of you. And mm-hmm. then you sort of like, you grow into a certain sense of independence and you become sort of a young adult. And then you're like, oh, I've got to take care of all these things. Max, it seems like you're actively trying to regress back into like baby mode where That's you're what being I taken want. care of. I hate being an adult. <laughs> do you Do you guys, weird question, but do you guys like being adults? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I I like I like a lot of it, but only because I'm kind of living in a childlike state. I think the things that you're frustrated with, Shane, would be remedied if you went back into the childlike state, which is like not handling your bills. Also, I don't put anything together. Like if something, if a piece of furniture needs to be put together, don't do it. I, I everything is outsourced, really. So and. and the, the way I get away with it is, is like, listen, I have to spend time thinking about new songs and new ideas. I'm a creative. I can't possibly be bothered. I'm making money in other ways, you know, that will support the, these other things. And also, I have a new theory. I think if you have the money and you're, let's say you're like doing well, right? And you have the money um, to pay somebody to put together like a couch or take care of something in your backyard and you choose to handle it yourself, you're selfish. You could be redistributing that money to somebody who needs it. But it, but if you're, so like when I hear about like a really rich dude who's like, who has like a fucking $5 million cottage, say, and he's out there doing gardening or put assembling something, that is one of the most selfish things a person could do. <laughs> that's, what, that's, my, that's, my, that's my take. That's my hot take. That's my take. I was like, if, if, you're, if you're doing something that's objectively fucking annoying because you want to save the money because I, I can just do it myself you're a selfish asshole but i guess That's some it. people like doing that i can't imagine he's how, saying like, though gardening. to save the money yeah if he's it's just to, to save, save the money, money maybe yeah. yeah but some people do yeah, yeah. Get, they take great pride sure. in building things with their hands that's fair if you're a handy guy and you're any a rich guy especially rich rich people they're probably like it's probably the only real thing they can tangibly touch. Like it makes them feel alive to build like a, a deck or something because the, the the finance world they work in is so sort of like uh, more nebulous. Fair enough. But if, they, if there's even a little bit of, ah, this is fucking annoying me and they choose not to because they want to save the money, fuck those people. Yeah. I try to never do anything annoying. <laughs> That's a good, well, and what would be the most annoying thing in, in your day? So your taxes were annoying yesterday. What else, Shane? I hate, I don't like any yard work, but I have to mow the lawn. So Alex does all, like Alex will put up plants or and stuff like hang plants on her porch to make it look nice. She'll never water them and they'll die instantly. But uh, <laughs> I do the, like I'll mow the lawn and I, I hate doing that. In fact, growing up, my mom would mow the lawn. So I never, my first time mowing the lawn was when I owned my own house. I was very scared. Oh, and Mike, what's the most annoying thing you do? Because you, you fancy yourself a bit of an ambitious, like handy person. You do? Right? No. Uh, I think a little bit. I saw, did I saw, uh, see a picture of you helping Sean Dawson with a gate or something? Oh, fuck or no. Was that somebody else? No, that was not That wasn't me. you? No. Oh, I saw Sean sent a pic and I was like, oh, does that Mike like on his knees, like assembling some backyard look I'll, i'm down with camaraderie if sean if sean needed help and there's some beers mm-hmm. i'll go by for the jokes and like hit a, throw a couple yeah. nails into a board but i'm not like i take no great joy in that yeah i can um, be like the third or fourth guy but i can't be exactly. like the guy everyone's depending on totally uh no i i would say that for, like so i'm like a like i'm like a tidy person i like things to be like tidy right like i make my bed every morning after i wake up it's just something i've done since i was like in high school i think i've talked about this pod before psychologically it's probably just like the one thing i could control when i was like a young teen so i'm like i'm going to make my bed the thing i don't like is like cleaning like deep cleaning you know like you know shit gets dusty or it's like you gotta like clean the baseboards and shit like danica's very much like she'll she's like she's like no that needs to be cleaned like that's not clean it's she's like it's tidy it's not clean and so it's like that i like i can't even i can't think about it i'm like i do not want to spend any moment of my day deep cleaning something so that is where like i would be happy to like bring in a professional say like once a week Mm. or twice a week to like take care of the floors and all of that stuff in like a perfect world what about okay sorry what's ash saying is she saying this sucks no oh i think she's saying i'm obnoxious which is fair you're obnoxious <laughs> uh, yeah everything everything i've said in the last like five minutes is probably very obnoxious by the way my mom would be so fucking embarrassed if my mom listened to this podcast she'd be like i'm so embarrassed that you're my son Fuck you. But you're <laughs> trying to be provocative saying? too. You're doing it with like a cheeky smile. Yeah. You, you know what you're doing. Yeah, but what about yeah, yeah. your desktop status? I'm cu- I'm curious of that. Like, oh. so if you're a neat person, Mike, like in day to day, 
does that mean your desktop is perfect? Like you have everything in the right folder? Or are you a messy desktop person in computer wise? That is a great question. So if I'm in a project, like, you know, like say we're working on like an Avid, like on our Mac or something, we're editing. I, my desktop will start to get like pretty bloated, but organized in a way that I can understand it. Like, so if someone else were to look at it, it would just look like the dog's breakfast. I know where everything is. The minute that's wrapped or maybe like a week after it's wrapped, I go in and I clean everything up. But what I'll do is kind of like when you're cooking in a kitchen, I don't mind if the kitchen gets a little bit messy while you're, you're doing your thing. But to me, if the mess sits there for too long after the, I've finished the meal, I start to get like a little bit of like anxiety. So my desktop if I'm in a project, I will I will let it get messy and then clean it. If I'm not in a project, it's just every day to day. I keep my desktop tight. You? Oh, for me, it's it's uh, it's terrible. It's like the inside of my mind. It like it shows what what your brain is like. It's so disorganized and scattered and uh, like I, I it's like doing my taxes if I had to organize my desktop. See, my desktop is a nightmare. It's like you, you can there's hardly like any inch of real estate that isn't just taken. Up I know your desktop stuff. is a nightmare, Max, because when we did the video, Shane, myself and the nut and my brother for Sean Dawson's wedding, we did like a funny little mm. skit video. Your laptop mm. was a laptop we had to use to play the video oh, at yeah. the thing. And I remember so like we've dragged the file on your desktop and then it took us five minutes just to find the file on the desktop because it was so <laughs> intense uh, how like packed, jam-packed your desktop was. Files on top of Yeah, it of doesn't files. bother me though because if I just need to find something, I just search yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I and do. And then it's just there. As long as you label uh, it, yeah, you can throw it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm not bad at labeling. Uh, anyway, let's hit some topics, guys. That was a good 20 minutes of just talking about nothing. That Listen, should have put people to yeah, sleep, yeah. you're welcome Um, All right. well let's hit the Oscars a lot of people have been talking about Mm. this I want to know what the pop culture aficionado Mm. had to think about the Oscars sorry I cut off your intro no 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 I mean people know what the Oscars are they were a little bit different this year Uh, you probably read and heard a lot of things by the time this pod goes up but uh, yeah like Max said let's get our pop culture aficionado's opinion on this year's (laughs) unconventional Oscars (laughs) you set me up I, I think I can feel what's coming here no I watched a little bit of it. But you did. I, you did. Wow. Yeah, I watched a little bit. I Which checked part? it out. I knew you'd call me out if I didn't watch it. The uh, the speeches. I saw some speech. I saw Joaquin Phoenix walk out and he said he said some stuff about how he's not a character actor or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of. And then um, who won? Anthony Hopkins won. I saw that and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I just caught little, <laughs> little, little moments and this like has that. Been little like tidbits. A much Oscars <laughs> but I, I don't like Moving these on. award shows during the pandemic. I, I read the text you sent. You wanted to know, do we enjoy Oscar, like uh, shows during the pandemic like this? Award shows, and the answer is no. It feels dead. It feels boring. The there's no laughs. So mm-hmm. what what are we watching? Just nothing. We're just watching people twelve feet apart sitting there. And then a, a speech comes up and then now all the speeches aren't as fun as they used to be because mm-hmm. you you almost it's obligatory. You have to do some political sentiment, which is fine. It's just I've heard all this stuff so many times, but you have mm-hmm. to put your stake in the ground just to say you said it. And to me, that's a little bit boring. Do you think, um, you know, some people who maybe are on the right say, well, one of the reasons why the ratings were so bad for the Oscars is because it, everything's about politics now. Do you believe that to be true? Or do you think it's just because people, there weren't, weren't that many like popular movies in theaters this year because all the releases got delayed or pushed back? And You're talking about the popular uh, sort of right-wing sentiment that uh, get woke, go broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I may, there might be something to that, but... Um, but even I think pe- it, I think people just want to be entertained, whether you're on the left or right. Like, you know, I, I would say I'm definitely left, but I don't always want to hear about politics. Sometimes I just want to be entertained. I want Ricky Gervais out there with his beer making mm-hmm. fun of people. Yeah. It's funny. I think um, I, 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 I understand that that perspective. I wonder, though, I just feel like ratings are down for everything on television, like sports, um, like even like uh, sports that didn't have a political bent, like... Um, like what is like the 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 masters or just like other what was another one i forget but everything uh, was down everything's been down nfl mlb everything yeah been down and i think it has more to do with just the fact that like life isn't really existing in the way it normally does and like the energy you get from a bunch of people being able to congregate um really um makes waves 
in the culture and we'll send more people to the movie theaters, but more people will be talking about it. More people are out and about. And when that doesn't exist, then people are like less likely to want to tune into anything on television because it's like not part of city life or life in the country. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking and about? the show like, itself is so different. Like yeah. when we watch basketball, they're still doing incredible dunks, passes, everything. So the, the energy has gone, but with the award show, it, it's actually so different the way they do it and way less comedic and the skits aren't the same. And, and like, like you're saying, no one's watched the movies. No one went to the theater to see all the, the Oscar buzz movies. So I was learning about a lot of films for the first time while watching the show. It was, you know, it was an interesting, this, this, the show in general too was a, it was a departure. So Steven Soderbergh, it was like a Steven Soderbergh production. Mm-hmm. So like all of the flourishes and the touches. There's two other um, directors involved with Soderbergh too, right? Yeah, that were like involved in putting this on, but he's really okay. sort of owned the wins and multiple, it would seem, losses. But so like the show opens with Regina King grabbing like an Oscar off of like a mantle in an outside party area. And then she kind of walks through. So Steven Soderbergh uh, directed, he's a famous director, like the Ocean's Eleven movies. It was kind of like a heist vibe. And then they, you know, the opening credits, it was like starring and it had all the different people. They sh- they, they, they filmed it not in like a way that felt like live television, but at certain angles and shots looked cinematic. So it was like off the top, it was kind of like, okay, this is different and interesting. But then as the show kind of went along and Shane, to your point about no comedy, there was no host, right? So they've done this before, no host, but there was also no jokes. They had no banter between like presenters. I mean, they never had multiple sort of presenters standing side by side. The speeches, uh, they decided this year not to play people off. Um, so I guess maybe Steven Soderbergh as like a, you know, an artist who has won an award before, maybe he had empathy for people being played off, which to me felt like a disaster because I, I can't watch like sometimes speeches, especially when they're going long and long and long and we're getting like close to five minutes of a, of a speech. I'm just like, Ooh, unless that speech is like a killer speech, like what am I, like, what am I watching to Shane's point? You know, I think, I think there's value in sort of keeping those things 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and yeah, I, I just felt like it, it, it lacked a lot of sort of like entertainment value. And we can get to sort of the end and the, the choice they made with the best actor and actors happening after the best picture. But um, one, I saw a tweet by uh, someone named uh, Kylie Brakeman that I thought summed it up. And she said, the Oscars right now feels like if you got high and had a weird dream about the Oscars. Ah. And everything about the Oscars felt like I like it's like if I woke up and I was like Dan I just had a dream that I was at the Oscars but it wasn't like in a theater it was at like a train station and I was sitting in a booth with Glenn Close and there was another booth (laughs) over there and there wasn't a host Mm -hmm. and I was I was like this person summed it up it seemed like a weird dream where Mm -hmm. it's kind of the Oscars but it's not really the Oscars but yeah I mean some elements worked the cinematic stuff was cool but I thought so much of it actually didn't work what were your thoughts Max yeah no that's a great way to put it um I, yeah, there was no musical performances either. No, they did them before. Like, put the musical performances and take out the weird... They did this thing where, in, like, so say, like, everybody's nominated in, like, a technical, like, thing. They would take all five nominees and they would do a speech about their life. Like, it'd be like... Uh, so Max Kerman's nominated for, say, like, sound on The Father. It's like, well, Max grew up uh, learning about engineering from his own father. And then he went to Juilliard to learn about his craft. And then he did this and then he did this. And that's what brought him here. And then everyone would clap. And then they would go to the next nominee and they would do this. And it's like, the first time that happened, me and Danica were like, that's actually kind of cool. Like, I'm kind of learning about somebody I wouldn't know about. When you aggregate that over a three-hour broadcast, mm-hmm. at some point you're like, oh, shit. Actually, like, keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. D- um, the... They tried to do one skit at the end, right? Or like, were they a couple times where they like Glenn Close ended up dancing, right? Or yeah, that went viral. To be to be honest, I did start jumping around, and then <laughs> and then because I was like, I was taping it, and I, I, I've said this before, like. I, it's really hard for me to watch speeches, especially if they kind of go off the rails. So it's easier for me to like get about an hour behind and then like skip over things like speeches and just get to the, the juicy parts or like the, the bits. Uh, so there's some stuff that I that I did. Miss. What was the Glenn Gl- Close thing? It was like older woman dances funny. Is that the, the kind I of think that was sort of the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you guys see that movie? Um, it's getting a lot of t- uh, buzz right now because it won. Um another round it's like a danish movie. yo i met i messaged you guys so good friend of the pod and former guest matt unsworth messaged me like five months ago and he was like this movie's awesome it's like a foreign film and he sent me the the trailer for another round he's like i think you should watch this and i flipped it over to i thought you guys definitely my brother and i was like yo 
Yeah, I was like, Unzi recommended this. I'm like, I haven't gotten around to watching it, but I'm going to at some point. And the trailer looked so funny because it was like these guys sort of decide to like drink almost every day of their life, just a little bit, not get super, whatever. I think that was the premise. But I was like, I messaged Unzi. I'm like, is this movie going to make me want to like party or is it going to make me want to never drink again? Like, I don't know if it's going to be like supersize me. Supersize me made me hungry though. That That's the thing. Right? Yeah. It was supposed to have the opposite effect, yeah. I think. Oh, okay, yeah. But uh, anyway, to, to answer your question, I just want to give Unzi props because he's been on this movie long before it was like an Oscar contender. Like the first time he saw it, he started sending it around. And I feel like a bad friend because I actually never got around to watching it. And now it's like this huge movie that they're going to remake with Leonardo DiCaprio, apparently. That's right. And uh, the Mads Mikkelsen role. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. People were making the jokes that Mads Mikkelsen can speak English. And why isn't he just in the remake of the Hollywood version? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but actually well, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like Shane Cunningham and Sean Dawson. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like Shane's like, you want the better Sean's person like, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to see that movie. There's a good quote that uh, actually Ash uh, sent along uh, with an interview with Mads Mikkelsen, which I thought I would like to read to you guys. The question is, is there a life philosophy that you feel has carried you through your career? And his answer is, my approach to what I do in my job, and it might even be my approach to my life, is that everything I do is the most important thing I do, whether it's a play or the next film. It is the most important thing. I know it's not going to be the most, I know it's not going to be the most important thing, and it might not be close to being the best, but I have to make it the most important thing. That means I will always, that I will be ambitious with my job and not my career. That's a very big difference because if I'm ambitious with my career, everything I do now is just stepping stones leading to something, a goal I might never reach. And so everything will be disappointing. But if I make everything important, then eventually it will become a career. Big or small, we don't know, but at least everything was important. I like that. I, think I, was like, I love that. I love yeah. that. You sent that to the pod mm. gang, I think. Yeah. Or maybe Ash did, yeah, but Ash did. Uh, I, I love that. I love that quote. I think that's really good career advice yeah it, um, it's the kind of like meditation in there it's just like you are in the moment the only thing that matters totally. right now is the moment that's the most important thing is right now was, yeah see useful. i like the opposite advice i like when people are like um <laughs> nothing matters just do it who cares this oh. isn't important this project is irrelevant that's the way i like to think when somebody's like this moment matters mm. i tune out and i get scared and i don't want to do it Oh, I think, see, to me, I read it more like, because I'm guilty of sort of playing mental chess where I'm trying to play five steps ahead, where I'm like, okay, if I do this, it might lead to this and it might lead to that. And I think what Mads is saying, it's like, if you're directing a commercial, you just be present for that commercial instead of thinking like, ooh, if I like get on this set and I do this, that might lead to this. And it's like, I think what he's doing is he's trying to center his mind and being like, this play is not going to lead to a movie necessarily. All I care about is this play. And I, I to me, I think that is good career advice. Because I do think sometimes people are thinking about the next thing before they've even sort of done their best work in the present thing. Mm -hmm. I know what he's doing. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Shane, to your point though, I yeah. do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. where I go, okay, this is important. I should try my hardest because, it, you know, just try your best to live in the moment. But on the other hand, who gives a fuck because there's so much going on in the world. No one's really paying that close attention. So get over yourself, which is, I think, a, a version of what you're saying, which is just like, mm -hmm. just get over yourself. Who cares? Like, stop, stop taking yourself so seriously. It's more important that you just do your best and get on with it and don't play the checkers game that Mike's talking about. Yeah, I think he's saying the same thing like as my philosophy. I just the way he said it made would make me nervous. Mm. I, yeah, and, and and I do think that this is something that maybe you come by naturally. For me, it's taken like age and time to philosophically approach. But the idea that, like you said, everything you do isn't heavy. Not everything matters. Not everything is some like big referendum on something. Like it's like, oh, some little piece of copy. It's like, are we? am I really going to get my blood pressure up over this? And when I was younger, like I would. That would those would be the things that you would engage in um, because they seem so important. But I think with time, you realize actually none of that matters and nobody gives a shit. And most people just want to get home to their fucking kids or to the pub or whatever it is that they're going to do. And it's like, do your best in the moment and then just let it go quickly uh, and just realize that it, I mean, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is a freeing thought or a depressing thought, but that really nothing matters it's sort of in this, like the cosmic ocean that we're all just sort of floating along in. like, really it doesn't. Yeah. For me, uh, I think because I'm always trying at everything too hard and caring too much that I don't want to hear that this moment matters and only think about mm. the moment. But I think if you're the type of person who isn't caring because you think, it doesn't matter, then you need to hear that. So when, so another thing about the Oscars, um, 
that was interesting that a lot of people talked about afterward was the big sort of finale. And so for like 93 years or whatever it's been of the Oscars, the best picture has always gone last. That's just, that's the grand finale. It's why they're there for the movies, the culmination of everybody's efforts, not an individual performance by an actor, not like a, you know, an amazing sound design or a great song. It's like sort of all those things come together to make the movies that people are celebrating. So you always put the best picture last. It makes sense. It is what it is. This year, uh, they sort of turned things on their head. They put the last picture third last and then went best actress, best actor. Um, And the reason they did this uh, is because Chadwick Boseman, the late, uh, great Chadwick Boseman, uh, was nominated for best actor. And throughout this sort of award season, uh, he's been winning a, a lot of best actor in sort of like different um, awards, whether it's like BAFTA or Golden Globe. I'm not sure which ones he's won or hasn't won, but it's kind of been between him and Anthony Hopkins as award season has gone along. So Steven Soderbergh and his team, I guess, thought, well, Chadwick's going to win this thing and his widow will get up on stage and it will be this sort of very um, fulfilling, cathartic moment for everybody to sort of see her sort of speak and it will be sort of like... Um, not only sort of an award for the movie that he was in, but this sort of magnificent career and this sort of tragic ending. The problem is uh, Chadwick, obviously, if you watch the show, did not win. Um, and sort of uh, exasperating the problem is that Anthony Hopkins won and Anthony Hopkins did not show up. He was like in Paris or something or London, wherever he was in Europe. And he was sleeping because it was like 5 a.m. <laughs> and so they get to this this final award. They rejigged the whole show. Uh, and then they had this anticlimactic thing where Anthony Hopkins wins. He's not there. Uh, they just have the picture up on the screen and then they're out. That's it. The show's over. They go to like Questlove, hits a fucking song and then it's gone. And I was actually, I don't know if you guys were watching in that moment, but again, like I said, I was PVRing. So I was kind of jumping around. And when I got to the part where it was best picture, I was very confused because I was like, did I miss actor and actress? What the fuck? So I started, I rewound. I was like, no, I didn't. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, they flipped it. And then that anticlimactic ending. What did you guys think about the gamble? Do you think it was worth it for Steven Soderbergh to try and sort of like not manufacture, but sort of like stack the odds uh, into the probability that they would get this great moment that he saw, this amazing ending. Do you guys think that was worth it? Or do you think the egg on his face sort of in the sort of the gross manipulation of the situation is worse? Could it have been a win or do you think it was like a sort of a disaster? Start with you, Shaney boy. Well, in a way it worked out because since Chadwick Boseman didn't win, it, it it would seem so fake if he had won, like, oh, the, the Academy knew he was going to win. They rejigged it and they made him win. But now it has so much legitimacy because he didn't win. So which to me, it's like, wow, they really keep this under lock and key. Like even Soderbergh didn't know who was going to win. He just assumed. Because mm-hmm. I thought it, made it was- you a, believe, It yeah, made you it, believe in the integrity of the voting system. Yeah. Be, and because who, who cares? Like we all, you were passing around, someone was in this uh, podcast, passing around the clip of Cuba Gooding Jr. winning his Oscar. No one gives a shit when that happened. No one's like, oh, I remember they closed the show with that. In fact, I was shocked at the end. They go, what a fucking opening in that clip. Because it's it's showing the control board, how they were operating the, the camera, switching to camera one, camera two. And the guy goes, that was an opening. And I was like, they opened the show with Cuba Gooding Jr. winning that? I didn't know they opened with Best Supporting Actor. Anyway, the point is no one cares about the order. They care about the moment. So to me, it it ruined it because it was so obviously a telegraphed win for Chadwick. And then when it wasn't, I was like, that's cool. Chadwick didn't win. Actually, here's a question. I agree with everything Shane just said. Um, Yeah, it gave more legitimacy to like the voting process, right? Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day, though. What do you think is the most important part of uh, any sort of televised award show? Because our brains are so trained, you know, when it comes to like watching sports or the grand finale of a movie that like the end, like the last third is like when momentum really starts to build up. But the more I think about it, it's like if you watch like, I don't know, the Grammys or something and they're like coming up next, Beyonce or whatever, like sometimes the stuff they do at the very end is kind of boring. Like I wonder where the most viewership actually is and what the height of the show is. And sometimes it's the beginning or sometimes it's the, you know, the 45 minute mark. Like, do you think award shows are even playing by that same logic of, of a sports game or a movie? Well, I think they, they tried to here. They tried to manufacture the moment. And I think it just shows you never know when the moment's going to happen. It depends on the speech, the emotion behind it, uh, the host. When's the host's best joke going to hit? Mm-hmm. 
you know, stand-up comedians will try out a bit for years and still not know what's the best joke until they see their special back. So you mm-hmm. never know when that moment's going to happen. And I think to manufacture it is a bad move. Mm-hmm. So Walking Phoenix presented this award for best actor. And like I said, throughout the night, they had the presenters come out. Like Laura Dern, for instance, when she, I can't remember which, which category she was nominating, but she was like, she was doing these speeches about these nominees. And I turned to Danica and I was like, this is, I don't, this isn't it for me because what this becomes is it becomes a Laura Dern performance piece. Like, it's like, it's supposed to be about the nominees, but really it's like, now we're just watching Laura Dern's ability to like, I don't know, pontificate on the greatness of the the particular nominee. So I'm like, this is actually a Laura Dern thing. And then it becomes like about the presenter. I'm like, it's just, and I I get why Soderbergh and his team sort of did this. They thought, oh, it's great. We're going to honor them. And we have these Oscar winners say nice things about them. But I'm like, eh, I'm like, it just kind of feels more about the presenter than it does about the nominee and its execution. Although on paper, I can see why maybe uh, they thought it was a decent idea. So Joaquin Phoenix comes out at the very end after every one of these presenters has come out and said some nice thing about the nominees or whatever. And he basically just says, you know, like I'm supposed to say a bunch of stuff. Like it's Joaquin Phoenix, of course. Like he's going to kind of like, he's just like, he basically says, look, I'm supposed to say something here, but that's not really my thing. All I'm going to say is that all five of these performances were like, they moved me and I, they're special. And I think all these actors are great. Let's get to the nominees. Uh-huh. And he's sort of like, so, so for this last award, this best actor award, even the presentation was anticlimactic, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like Hopkins wins and Joaquin's like, oh, well, he's not here. Okay, good night. And then out. So it was just, it was such a weird, like, dud of like, it just fell sort of, sort of flat, which again, maybe like, I, I never know these days what is, like, if there's more value in being like very good and everyone going good job or having something like this that goes that is so disastrous that people talk about it for a week straight. Mm. Like what is more like is being great more valuable in our current sort of like media economy or is being a disaster and having people like being the news cycle owning it for a week better? I don't know what's mm. more valuable anymore. What are we trying to do anymore? Yeah, or at least being controversial. Exactly, yeah. taking chances. Mm-hmm. We, we we touched on this with like the Canadian <laughs> jean jacket yeah. for the Olympics. It's like, is the point to, to have people talk about something they otherwise never would have talked about? Because you succeed if that's the metric by which you're measuring success. Mm. But if it's to make a great thing, which is always, you know, subjective anyway. Anyway, I, I don't know. That may be a bigger question for another day. I think everyone's yeah. trying to make something great. It's just to do so, it's a big risk to be great. So you're going to f- flop if you're actually right. truly attempting to make something great. You know, the one, the one question with um, that ending in particular <clears throat> with Soderbergh is uh, I think about, you know, an Arkell show. And I when we have these bits that are sort of constructed, I always have a few different paths. I'm like, okay, if we're going to call a fan up on stage, if, they, if it's, you know, if they can play guitar and, they're, and we strap a guitar on them uh, and they, it turns out they don't know how to play the guitar, we're going to go one way or we're going to go this way. Like I have a few different moves depending on the situation. And I'm just surprised that Soderbergh hadn't thought of a better out. Like, okay, in the event Chadwick doesn't win, and it's actually let's go through this. And it's Anthony Hopkins and he's asleep and he's and like what is going to be the move? Like who's going to come out and do a fucking cartwheel or who's going to tell a joke or what's, what's <laughs> or an the Anthony bit? Hopkins impersonator would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out and gives a speech. <laughs> That's what I'm talking. about. I just like to thank the Well, apparently Anthony Hopkins uh, agreed. Or he's he's like he's like yo I'm willing to get on a Zoom at five a.m. in Europe mm-hmm. like and they were like no we're not doing Zoom so like if you saw like Sasha Barry Cohen um, was he was like like there was like a bridge in the background they had like designated spots in like London where you could go to like potentially accept your award so it's like he just kind of sat there waiting to see if he won I think he was nominated for 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 three things he has like two acting and one writing I think but anyway. He didn't end up winning any of them. But if if Anthony Hopkins had been willing to go to one of these designated like Oscar sites to wait around for three hours to see if he mm. won the best actor at the end, he would have. But he like he was willing to jump on a Zoom, you know, like mm. in his house or whatever. And I think when they told him no, he was like, oh, fuck, this is code for I didn't win. Mm. So I'm just going to sleep. Mm. Yeah. You think if he knew he had won, he would have got he would have went to one of those designated sites and hung around in a tux? If they were like, uh, I don't know, maybe you should go to one of those designated sites, Anthony. He'd be like, oh, they're telling me I've won, you know, and he would have done it. But since they're like, no, don't worry about it. No, no Zoom. He's like, fuck it. I'm sleeping. Have you guys seen The Father, by the way? No, I watched the trailer afterwards. Apparently, it's like 
like phenomenal, which is a stupid thing to say because it's an Oscar nominated <laughs> film. Uh, but I, I think of all the movies that sort of like that I haven't seen this year. Like, I think I've only seen Minari out of all of the films that were like nominated, which is like so different for us. Like, you know, in a normal year for the last, you know, for like over a decade, Shane, we'd get together and like we would like fill out ballads and we'd all watch this mm-hmm. and we'd all put money on it. Like, because we'd seen almost all the films. I felt, I just felt very disconnected, which is no surprise. Yeah, I just been thinking about this idea. <clears throat> I didn't really articulate well earlier. Earlier, but just like how even though so much of our life is feels kind of normal because like we're you know able to hang out with friends in a backyard or we're we're, ta- we're we're going to work we're working on projects the fact that we can't do these communal things really i think depress so much like activity and life you know like when it comes to sports and movies in particular because when you go to a movie when you go to a, a movie in the theater you're going with a friend often and then you leave the movie and you want to talk about the movie because you just experience this big visceral thing that's loud. It's on a big screen. And that ends up just kind of creating this like economy of conversation that is awesome. Same thing with sports, too. It's like, you know, obviously we're all watching the, the Raptors right now on television. But it's just like if you could go to a game you're at work the whole day. You're like, Hey, I'm going to the Raptors game. Oh, how was the Raptors game? Oh, it was great. And then, Oh, do you know who I saw at the Raptors game? I ran into Drake back, you know, whatever. And then we went to a pub and just stuff happens where I think it just drives interest and conversation and life. And that is like, I think like when you see these like bad TV ratings, for instance, I think it has to do with the fact that people are just depressed. Like everybody, there's like a level of interest for that, that does not permeate to the, kind of average viewer where they go, eh, because I think you're just more inclined to tune into something if you know other people are invested. And right now when people aren't together, you just don't get that feeling. And that's my point. It also felt like they weren't playing to the audience. Like not only was there not an audience in the crowd to really play to, there wasn't, they, so they were just playing to the people at who were attending the award show, which is kind of like lame. Like you want to, you need those jokes that like would almost offend the people in the crowd but are for the people at home and without that it's just like watching i don't know like people talk at thanksgiving within their own family like giving weird speeches just that's a great way to put it it does and it just i mean obviously the nature of these awards are they are very self-congratulatory but without the entertainment factor without you know like good banter good jokes it's like we're just really watching like a big sort of insular party uh, that isn't really that as accessible unless you're like a cinephile or super into that world. But it's like, how do you get somebody in like Indiana to like throw on the Oscars and be engaged? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, and that used to be what the Oscars would be. It was something that was watched by, by the way, we haven't even talked about this. There's been, this is the lowest rated Oscars. Like I think, you know, since they've started keeping um, track of the ratings, but even from last year's sort of like early co uh, actually it happened just before COVID the Oscars, I think anyway, last year was like over 20 million viewers and this year was down to just over nine. So, I mean, who knows, would it have been that way regardless of format and all of these choices that we're talking about? Who knows, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It feels like the overall consensus is that it was a miss. And I guess in the sort of the larger question, are you guys all for taking a big swing like this and ultimately failing or sticking closer to sort of the uh, the recipe that seems to have been working for the last 90 years? I like the swing. And I think if if there was a better selection of movies that were being that were up for awards, I think it would have made a difference. I think if people had uh, gone to the movie theaters, th- that would have made a difference in the ratings. Um, but yeah, everything I think everything's just hard right now. What was the swing, sir? What are we calling the swing? Changing the format completely, basically taking it out of a theater, putting it in Union Station, um, getting rid of the witty banter, the jokes, the humor. Oh, that was a the, bad the, idea. Yeah, they they should the live have done performances, that. like no music. Okay, yeah, those were all bad moves. I would if if those <laughs> are the swings you're taking, I would go back to just playing baseball and maybe doing something within the game that's already constructed, like having fun within the boundaries that the, the Oscar typically the Oscar ceremony typically goes with. Cause that was boring. Like no one's going to like that. No. One. <laughs> like, is, have you heard anyone who said, Oh, I really liked the Oscars last night or I like the open a lot. And then after that, I think that people got excited for the open. Open. I think cause sick. they were like, this is going to be different in a good way. Mm-hmm. And then and it, it just like sort movie. of, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, slowly kind of, uh, unfolded in the opposite way. Yeah. But like a movie, you, you, you the, you want it to be good. 
It's got to be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that, that was terrible. <laughs> okay, let's get to the Shane surprise. Okay. But I do think oh. those art photos, the, the reason they took them down is because it looked like everyone was getting oral sex in them. And that's okay, a real... just, okay, that's a good tease because we've been meaning to talk about this for weeks and we're going to oh talk about God. it next Our week. Our listeners not even know what the hell you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I like about. it though. People are going to tune that in That will be a topic. Week. We'll hit We'll hit Elon Musk and and what Shane sort of teased next week. But right now we're going to go to Shane's surprise because Max is on a tight hour. All right, let's do it. Shane's All right. surprise. So Questlove wore Crocs, gold <laughs> Crocs to the Oscars. It was like a thing. Now now Crocs are selling out everywhere. Mm. So it got me thinking about style. Our style, guys. Mm, I like this conversation. Yeah, and it got me thinking about Sean Dawson too a little bit because I feel like within our group, I've started or been on the cusp of certain trends that other people have gotten credit for, like um, skinny jeans. Sean Dawson always gets credit for bringing skinny jeans to our group. However, that was I was in wearing the year them. 2008, yes. seven. However, yeah. I was wearing them before him. However, yeah. Sean was the first one to actually look cool wearing the skinny jeans. So mm. he, he got credit for it because he looked better in them, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was thinking of other things I started. This poncho mm-hmm. that, I, that I, I used to wear. That is true. You, you are the first of my friends and still the only I know of that wears a poncho. <laughs> yeah. But everyone made fun of me for wearing it. Then it became popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wore tie-dye shirts. I was one of the first to get tattoos in our group. Anyway, I was thinking of what is, if everyone could go through their best fashion trend that maybe they're on the cusp of and one mm-hmm. that they think was dumb or they regret. And I've written down what I think would be for you guys. And I want to see if I'm right. (laughs) But So for me, the worst one would be wearing glasses that weren't necessarily like prescription. So I wore glasses (laughs) like that for the longest time. And I just cringe like i want to jump you do you not remember that max i don't remember this at all what, oh my oh, god there's forever. like if you go back through like you know like you go on your facebook and you have like tagged photos there's about a year and a half maybe where every photo that shane is in he's wearing big black thick cornroom glasses like rivers cuomo like 100 oh, okay. and it's, it's a it's a mo- and honestly when i see those photos it is of such a time to me i know exactly what we were doing because it's <laughs> time is marked by shane's glasses but it's the weirdest move ever like if someone did that <laughs> just started wearing glasses out of nowhere i would just be like i hate you you know like you can't like someone like that it's ridiculous <laughs> so you want us to answer first and then you're gonna tell yeah, us like, what's your coolest trend that you've been on the cusp of or ahead of and what's something that you were like oh this didn't look good and then I'll see if my predictions line up. Uh, I usually think most of the shit that I wear is bad about six months later. So I usually, so I don't look back fondly on too much. You, so it would be something I wore like last week. I'm like, oh, this like crew neck sweatshirt or something like that. Not that I started that trend. Um, but I will say, I think the, the, the thing that I am most embarrassed about is when I was rocking a big beard mm. and a big afro. Because I think at the time, you know, I was really into like Sam Roberts band and this would have been like 2008 2009 and Sam had a big a big beard and long hair and I was like I and in my mind I was like I look just like Sam Roberts <laughs> but, I did, but Sam Roberts is like this little dude the most I'm handsome only laughing man alive. I've seen the photos yes <laughs> and and looking back I'm like oh god you look like yeah you do not look anything like Sam Roberts so that's I think I I think I have video of you with that beard you and me like playing a, like a, a St. Patrick's Day thing in Hess Village, yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. we'll make that the the promo for no, this uh, this part. No, no, the story. <laughs> maybe in an Insta story. Oh man, um, Mike, what about you? I don't. I, that's. I'm actually curious to know what Shane thinks because it's hard for me to know. Like fashion wise, I've definitely had like misses there. I look back now, and there there are some really big baggy pants. And it's funny to me that baggy pants are coming back because like some of those photos. I think like, those are me, cool. Those baggy pants you wore though, I'd put those in the cool category. Really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I remember I used to have to tuck my, my pants into the backs of my socks because they were just so like baggy. Uh, yeah, I'm very fascinated to what Shane, Shane yeah, thinks good to... and bad because I, I just think I'm very like down the middle. I don't think like I take super crazy chances and I also, you know, good or bad. Yeah. So I only put down the bad because I think you're always a pretty good <laughs> dresser, Mike. So I only th- 
could think of the one thing here. Okay, so I'll go through both of them, see if my predictions were right or if this if you think this is right, Mike. So I put denim vest. There was a time you wore a denim vest to work. Are you talking about me? No, Mike. You I don't work oh, with you. Oh, a okay. denim vest. I'll get to you, Max. Okay, so yeah, you wore a denim vest and it looked kind of cool. And I think Jared Leto was wearing a denim vest at the time with 30 seconds to Mars. But it it didn't necessarily look bad, but then someone at our work was like, "Oh, Mike, you look kind of like Katie Lang," and then <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you were just like, "Hmm," and then I never saw the vest again. But <laughs> oh my god, I I don't remember this at all. I cannot think. I don't remember having a denim vest, but it I I, I would I absolutely take your word for it that maybe I tried a denim vest one day somebody said something like that and then I literally never wore it again I did wear vests for a bit when we first started pumps I would I would always wear mm. like those dress vests under like I'd wear a white t-shirt and then like sort of like a black mm. vest that was a look for a minute that I, I had I don't remember the denim vest though but I, I kind of love that I did try a denim vest yeah it was Sabina who said it not I just <laughs> <laughs> you look like Katie Lang do you think she was trying to bust my balls or do you think that she was being complimentary like was it an authentic compliment or was it like a, I'm fucking with you well she just had that personality you know that was her way to connect was yeah. kind of like I think she was trying to in a, in a fun way I don't think she like meant rib, for, she was ribbing me a bit yeah exactly y- like she yeah, told me I look yeah. like Crispin Glover so yeah, sometimes you just have a constant craving to uh, wear a vest. <laughs> That's funny. That well, was what I did. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the dress vest, uh, Mike, and it's just so funny how fashion goes, how basically like it always starts with like the hippest people and then it comes <laughs> through the, and then like as the years pass, then it the, eventually ends up on a rack at like H&M and then normies start to wear it. And the one that really sticks out is I remember wearing a V-neck t-shirt and like in 2008 and that was like on the cutting edge of like cool hipster wear. And then by the time you get to 2013, like every college bro or dude going to the nightclub is wearing the V-neck. And V-necks, I don't think V-necks age well at all when it comes to style. It's almost the worst one because it still feels like you know, like gym rats in Miami Beach, like their go-to is still a V-neck to this day. And you, you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh God, fashion's so funny how it's cyclical like that. And I'm sure in like four years, like hipsters in Berlin are going to start to wear V-necks again. Once It'll the, come back around. Well, yeah, once once the dudes at the gym stop wearing it. Anyway, uh, Shane, go on. Oh, and then my prediction for Max, I said he would say chubby with a beard look. <laughs> <laughs>